and I may be gone um, that day <coughs> as well. <coughs> There's morning, if you'll bear with me. I've been sick the last few days, so I probably didn't get to do as much Black Friday shopping as you did, but um, we still got a little bit in for our side business that we're doing. But um, I got my ducks all in the same pond, I believe. They're just not all in order. And so if you just bear with me um, as we um, go through the message today. And um, go ahead and turn to John chapter 10. John 10. Is verily, verily, I say unto you, he that entereth not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbeth up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. But he that entereth in by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the porter openeth, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calleth his own sheep by name, and leadeth them out." And when he put forth his own sheep, he goeth before them, and the sheep follow him. And they know his voice. And the stranger will they not follow, but will flee from him, for they know not the voice of strangers. This parable spake Jesus unto them, but they understood not what things they were which he spake unto them. Then said Jesus unto them, Again, verily, verily, I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. All that ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved, and shall go in and out and find pasture. The thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life, and that they might have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd careth, giveth his life for the sheep, but he that is in hireling and not the shepherd, whose own the sheep are not, see of the wolf coming and leave of the sheep and fleeth, and the wolf catch of them and scatter of the sheep. The hireling fleeth because he is in hireling and careth not for the sheep. I am the good shepherd and know my sheep and am known of mine. If the Father know of me, even so know I the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. Michael, could you give me a cup of water, please, while you're at it? He says, come, thank you. The, the hire for you, because he is in hire, and care of not for the sheep. I am the good shepherd, and know my sheep, and am known of mine. If the Father know of me, even so know I the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And other sheep I have, which are not of this fold, them also I must bring, and they shall hear my voice, and there shall be one fold and one shepherd. Therefore doth my Father love me, because I lay down my life, that I might take it again. No man take of it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. 
This commandment have I received of my Father. There was a division, therefore, again among the Jews for these sayings. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we just pray, Lord, that you help me get the ducks in order, so to speak, um, as we're delivering the message from your word. I thank you, Lord, for at least giving me a voice enough to be able to speak. And just pray, Lord, you give the clarity. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Michael. In the first verse, and Jesus says, Verily, verily, which means truly, truly in the modern vernacular. Um, he says, so he's really emphasizing the truth of this. But he says, He enter not by the door into the sheepfold, but climb of up some other way. The same is a thief and a robber. Most often in the scriptures where you end up seeing where it talks about um, a wolf or a thief, a robber, um, when it's not talking about a literal thief and robber, it's often talking about a false teacher. And um, you go back ahead to... Um, verse 8, where he says again, All that ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. And that Jesus explains also that he is the door, that he is the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father but through him, as he um, says later on. Um, here, but here he says he's the door, he's the shepherd, and that basically all other religious systems have been thieves and robbers. Um, in verse 10, the thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. And so, likewise, the focus of false teachers, even in the name of Christianity, is not your benefit, for your benefit. They come as a thief to steal, to kill, to destroy. Not your well-being as a Christian, but rather your pocketbooks. Jesus, on the other hand, came that they might have life. Um, the thief, talk using the term thieves and robbers highlights the misleading ministry of previous generations of Israel's leaders who have led them astray. Now this isn't talking about the likes of Moses, of Joshua, of David, of Solomon, of all these different men that we see their shortcomings, but we see the greatness, that how God used, God used them in different ways. But it's talking about the Pharisees that developed, the Sadducees, and, and just different false prophets, different false teachers that would lead them astray, that would keep them blinded from coming to the truth that is in Jesus Christ. Go ahead and turn your Ezekiel. Ezekiel is before Daniel, after um, 
somewhere after Jeremiah and Lamentations, Ezekiel 34. I believe this is a passage that Jesus is probably bringing out to light as a reminder to the people here. Ezekiel 34, in verse 1, it says, And the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say unto them, Thus saith the Lord God unto the shepherds, Woe be to the shepherds of Israel that do feed themselves. Should not the shepherds feed the flocks? Ye eat the fat, and ye clothe you with the wool. Ye kill them that are fed, but ye feed not the flock. The disease have ye not strengthened, neither have ye healed that which was sick, neither have ye bound up that which was broken, neither have ye brought again that which was driven away, neither have ye sought that which was lost, but with force and with cruelty have ye ruled them. And they were scattered, because there is no shepherd, and they became meat to all the beasts of the field when they were scattered. My sheep wandered through all the mountains and upon every high hill. Yea, my flock was scattered upon all the face of the earth, and none did search or seek after them. Therefore, ye shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. As I live, saith the Lord God, Surely, because my flock became a prey, and my flock became meat um, to every beast of the field, because there was no shepherd, neither did my shepherd search for my flock, but the shepherds fed themselves and fed not my flock. Therefore, O ye shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I am against the shepherds, and I will require my flock at their hand, and cause them to cease from feeding the flock. Neither shall the shepherds feed themselves any more, for I will deliver my flock from their mouth, that they may not be meat for them. And so here, again, we see God speaking about these basically false teachers. These shepherds not doing their role. They're not delivering the word of God to the people. They'll sugarcoat the Bible. They'll, they'll use the scripture when it will be used to their advantage. And we have preachers, of course, today um, that will do that, which could be a danger for any preacher in reality. But there'll be some scriptural principles that um, are there, such as, you know what, give and it shall be given unto you, pressed down, shaken all together. Okay, you know what the Bible talks about? Um, those that give shall be blessed. Okay, yes, those are scriptural principles. But in where some preachers will take it too far is where they'll start to declare a health, wealth, and prosperity gospel where they teach in order to be blessed, you need to give. And sometimes they'll give cert, tell you certain amounts. Or they'll say, someone in here needs to give $500. Someone needs to give 1000 And God will heal somebody of cancer in your family. They'll say all kinds of these bogus things. And I don't know what draws people to them, but 
They're, char- they're charismatic in their speaking. They're eloquent in their speaking ability. And then people are giving and giving and giving. And it's so the shepherds could feed themselves. They're not delivering the word of God to the people. You know, they maybe you saw on the noise on the news with Kanye West going to Joel Osteen. Uh, Joel Osteen's church was Joel Osteen, according to scriptures, would be a false teacher, a false prophet. Yes, he teaches like encouraging, motivational messages, you know, your best life now. And if you're lost, yes, right now is your best life you're going to be. But he never really talks about sin and repentance. And then Kanye West there, he talked about sin and repentance. And then there, all of a sudden there was a bunch of satire news websites coming out and saying that. And man, Joe Osteen's church, um, Joe Osteen heard about sin and repentance. And they're like, wow, what, what is this? And so they were kind of making a joke of it, but it's because of the health, wealth, prosperity gospel that he preaches. That, that, that God just wants you to be well. That God just wants you to have victory in everything. That God doesn't will for any of you ever to be sick. And just that everything is a bunch of fluff. And that if you give your seed money, that you will then be blessed. And, oh, I'm blessed because of the blood of Jesus Christ. I'm blessed because of what God has done within me. Yes, God teaches the principle of giving. And yes, the Bible even teaches that ministers should be able to live off of the the support of the church, of being able to be dedicated to the preaching ministry. And so the Bible does teach that, but the Bible does not teach that this needs to be in the multi-million so the pastor could get his private jet, things like that. There's nothing wrong with someone getting a private jet. Okay, we live in a free market. Praise the Lord for that. But to look at a congregation of multitudes of poor people and to brainwash them that they're going to find healing in their family of some disease, cancer, if they give money to fund your private shed or whatever it may be, is heresy. It's blasphemy. You know, I do a, do a side business. Um, you know, it's, it's a third-party seller. I'm also starting another job tomorrow. You know what? Pray for me. I'm going to be busy. Okay? But, um, you know, we're talking about things. Um, and I was sharing with Frank. You go, here's a four-pack of candy that people will order it online for $30. And, man, he's, like, picking on me and saying, man, you're taking advantage of people and everything. I was like, no. I go, all I did is I prepared this bundle put it up there, and if someone wants to pay for it, I offered a service. It was their choice whether to pay for that or not. But then what you have happening in Jesus' day, okay, when Jesus tore up the temple, <clears throat> threw the money changers, table was, here was happened. They said, okay, basically it's equivalent of saying this, okay, now to come to worship, you have to have this and this and that. And you have to buy the sheep from us, and this is going to be way up here in cost. 
okay, to come to be able to worship God. And that's what Jesus was condemning. Listen, condemning if someone wants to pay a high price for an item, that's fine. But to try a force, to try and make it obligatory, um, is it, wrong. It, it, it's evil. Someone doesn't have to buy the four-pack of candy. Okay? You know, it's just probably a candy they don't have in their area, and to them, they find that value in it. I don't even know who, who the person is. But here in Jesus' day, they end up having people where they would, making the house of God a house of merchandise and a den of thieves and robbers. There are other false teachers, false preachers that will teach this gospel um, of prosperity. Um, and that's where they'll talk about Jesus dying, but they'll talk about how Jesus died to make you rich. And they'll use this one scripture verse that um, though he was rich, he became poor that you might be rich. And they'll use that to say it's talking about material blessings, that Jesus died to make you wealthy. But that's not why he died. He died because I was a sinner and because of his love to cleanse me from my sin that I may have eternal life and be able to be in the presence of God without fear, without shame. There's still a healthy fear, respect of God, a reverence for God, but not out of fear of where I am going. But other false teachers that will teach this false gospel is one I mentioned a few weeks, about a month ago, is Paula White. You know what? She was on the news. You know what? Her book's being... Um, I forget what the title of the book is now, A Greater greater You or Greater in, in Me, whatever it was. But Paula White used to pastor the church of the church without walls, which if you look at the church, they actually do have walls. So that's kind of false advertising. Uh, but if you're meaning that, we're ecumenical. You know, it doesn't matter what you believe. Just come here. And that's what it is. There, there's no doctrinal foundation at all. But she would teach different things, um, crazy things um, about that. You know, you give, you give to this, you support this, and then God is going to give you this. But God isn't all about a give and get. Yes, again, there's the principle of tithing, that God will open the windows of heaven, but where they take it and they make that as if it's the gospel of giving and getting, that it's all greed-based. It's not victorious-based. And she's been divorced twice, married three times, had affairs, and 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 in her, her one of her um, family member, or a family member, or a friend of a family member, Benny Hinn. Benny Hinn's another one that has preached a health, wealth, prosperity gospel, and promised people to be healed, to come to their stage, and usually they would try to have people come where there, there's not going to be really any real proof in the pudding. Those that had legitimate disease, they would reject from having come on the stage and would not want them to be a distraction from the show. They wanted people that were very sensational, um, that would be able to get the placebo effect, that yes, they might be able to stand out of their wheelchair for a little bit. 
They might be able to even waddle a little bit. But you know, when Jesus healed, it was instantaneous. It was rise up, take up thy bed, and walk. It was not a stage show. It was not just to try and do a show on the platform. But it was to confirm his deity, confirm his message. But Benny Hinn's um, nephew, his came out, written, wrote, wrote a book called God, Greed, and the Prosperity Gospel. Excellent book. Recommend to get it. And he exposes the prosperity gospel. I was wanting to share more things from it. Don't have time um, to. But he would uh, um, expose even his uncle's ministry um, and Paula White's ministry and the affair that they had as well. And, and, and he just talked about how, you know what, his father as well. He, his father, they, they all grew up in this health, wealth, prosperity type of ministry. And he would say, you know what, stay away from those Baptists. They, 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 they hate what we teach. They hate this prosperity stuff that we preach. And he eventually ended up going to a Baptist university. And then sometimes he's like, man, I wonder if my parents were right in stuff. And then he just understood the sovereignty of God. He understood about Job, who he had much wealth. And then through his faithfulness, we see it was all taken away. Everything Job had, gone. And yet he retained his integrity. Yet he continued to serve God. But God allowed him to go through timeless suffering. It wasn't God's will for, at that time for him just to make it. And some of his friends thought he was being punished by God because of the trials. When no, God was proving him and showing them. But false teachers, Jesus calls a thief and a robber. They're in the ministry not to serve, but to see what they could take. But he that intervened by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. Like Jesus is the shepherd. Um, there, there was in Israel's Israeli time or Bible times, there was the fold of sheep. This was usually a courtyard surrounded by a stone wall. Usually it had a gate. And there was usually a gatekeeper guarding it. And they would know what shepherds had legitimate business there. Several families might use the same field. But they would hire somebody to be the guard of, the, of those sheep. And Jesus is the shepherd. He's not the doorkeeper. He is the shepherd. Um, and it says, to him the porter openeth. The porter is like a hired gatekeeper, a security guard, um, so to speak. But to him the porter openeth, and the sheep hear his voice. And he calleth his own sheep by name, and leadeth them out. And when he putteth forth his own sheep, he goeth before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. And so here we see about Jesus being this great shepherd, he goeth before them. Now western shepherds usually drive their sheep. 
often using sheepdogs. You know, they'll have the sheepdogs, they'll kind of drive the sheep in order. The eastern counterparts, on the other hand, both now and in Jesus' day, led their flocks by beckoning them on with their voice. Often there is a helper again watching the tail end of the flock, but they would be leading from the front end. <clears throat> Israel's exodus from Egypt is often portrayed in the terms of a flock being led by a shepherd and Moses being that shepherd. Jesus doesn't drive his sheep. He leads his sheep by going forward. And Jesus said, And a stranger will they not follow, but will flee from him, for they know not the voice of strangers. And so as the shepherd would go into the courtyard or um, into the field, the sheep would know, learn the shepherd's voice. And they would follow. Now when someone else, they came to get their sheep, the other sheep would not follow. Even if they gave the same words, they would not follow. They don't know the stranger's voice. In the book, A Shepherd Looks at the Good Shepherd and His Sheep, the writer wrote, The relationship which rapidly develops between a shepherd and a sheep under his care is to a definite degree dependent upon the use of the shepherd's voice. Sheep quickly become accustomed to their owner's particular voice. They are acquainted with its unique tone. They know its peculiar is peculiar sounds and inflections. They can distinguish it from that of any other person. If a stranger should come among them, they would not recognize nor respond to his voice in the same way they would to that of the shepherd. Even if the visitor should use the same words and phrases as that of their rightful owner, they would not react in the same way. It is a case of becoming actually conditioned to the familiar nuances and personal voice of their shepherd's call. This parable, in verse 6, this parable spake Jesus unto them, but they understood not what things they were, what she spake unto them. They didn't understand. The audience missed the symbolism of the parable. Just as sheep recognize their shepherd and follow him, so those who truly belong to Jesus recognize his voice. They follow him. A question for all of us is, are we following the shepherd? Are we following Jesus? Or are we following all the voices of strangers? Are we following all the voices of other priorities? Are we following the voice of our Lord and Savior? Are we in the Word of God? Are we listening? Are we taking heed to His Word? Not simply to the false teachers that have their best-selling books. Nothing wrong with someone having a best-selling book. Just because someone has a best-selling book does not make them a false teacher. Okay? But 
false teachers often do have best-selling books. They make us feel good. We think they're encouraging, they're motivational, they're inspirational. Often we like them because they're fairy tales. There's no truth to them or there's a little bit of truth to it. But you know, Jesus says his sheep hear his voice. They're not listening for all the stranger's um, voice. Jesus said in verse 9, I am the door. By me of any man enter and he shall be saved. And shall go in and out and find pasture. Jesus is the door. You know, I as your pastor am not the door. I am not a victor of Christ. As they would call the Pope, so to speak. The Pope's not the victor of Christ either. He does not represent Christ. He rather represents an antichrist. Everything contrary to the things of Christ. But Jesus is the chief shepherd. He says, if any man enter in, he shall be saved. But the thief cometh not, but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. But Jesus came that we might have life. Verse 11, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. And that's what he did. He gave his life for you and I. But then he brings up, but he that is a hireling and not the shepherd. And the hireling, okay, in of itself was not a bad thing. The hireling was the person hired to be the doorkeeper, to be the gatekeeper. Okay, they weren't the shepherd. You could say they were like an under-shepherd. You could even say like a pastor is an under-shepherd. Okay? But Jesus is the chief shepherd. Okay? But there's a hireling and not the shepherd whose own the sheep are not. See of the wolf coming and leave of the sheep and flee of and the wolf catch of them and scatter of the sheep. Okay, now the person was hired for that job to be the doorkeeper, to be a guard. But someone that was only doing this was someone that was only doing it for self-interest. There wasn't anything wrong with the shepherds paying this man to do the job. But Jesus brings out that. This wasn't their, his sheep, and so there was not the same care for the sheep. It's a hiring doesn't care about the sheep. He's just doing a job in self-interest to him, but he leaves when difficulty comes, when he sees danger coming, and then the sheep are scattered. Again, supporting a gatekeeper is not wrong. Supporting a pastor. Again, it's not. Go ahead and turn, turn you 1 Corinthians 9. 1 Corinthians 9, in verse 6.
Apostle Paul writes to the church at Corinth, goes, For I only and Barnabas have not we power to forbear working. Talking about do we not have the power, scripturally and everything, to forbear secular work. Okay? Who goeth a warfare any time at his own charges? Who planteth a vineyard and eateth not of the fruit thereof? Or who feedeth a flock and eateth not of the milk of the flock? Say I these things is the man, or say of not the law the same also. For it is written in the law of Moses, Thou shalt not muzzle the mouth of the ox that treadeth out the corn. Doth God take care for oxen? Okay, okay, there it says, Thou shalt not muzzle the mouth of the ox that treadeth out the corn. Okay, talking about, you know, you need to allow the oxen to be able to eat. But then Paul writes, you know what, God was not telling us this simply because he cares so abundantly for the oxen. No, he does care. He cares for all of his creation. But he says, or save he it all together for our sakes. For our sakes, no doubt, this is written, that he that ploweth should plow in hope, and that he that thresheth in hope should be partaker of his hope. If we have sown unto you spiritual things, is it a great thing if we shall reap your carnal things? If others be partakers of this power over you, are not we rather? Nevertheless, okay, okay, so here Paul is talking about, saying, okay, here we've been ministering to you spiritually. And, and so he's saying it's fit, it's right, it's scriptural, to then feed those that are feeding you spiritual things with the carnal things, as far as not talking about a carnal attitude, but with the material things, to support them financially. And yet Paul did not use that, even though they had that scriptural right. He says, you know, we aren't, we aren't going to use it. He goes, Nevertheless, we have not used this power, but suffer all things, lest we should hinder the gospel of Christ. And so Paul says, okay, we have the ability to be supported financially by the churches. And there were times, there were occasions where the churches sent and love offer a new Paul. Most often it wasn't for Paul himself. It was to the people he was ministering to. Other times when Paul was in affliction, the churches supported him in that. But by and large, he was a tent maker. He was doing other work to provide provision for himself, lest people would take advantage, like lest they would... Um, lest we should hinder the gospel of Christ. The apostles were smart, knowing that in ages to come, people would try to accuse the apostles of developing a religion for their own financial gain. And it's easy to do when you look at church history as far as in the Catholic Church. And all that they did that was for financial gain. Them having indulgences, People would pay money to get forgiveness of sin. Why? To build the Vatican. You know, so if you ever visit the Vatican and you see all its beauty, it's because of the wickedness that they were doing, depriving the poor and convincing them, hiding the Word of God from them in their own language, keeping the Bible from them. 
So they could lead them and say, hey, if you come confess your sins and pay a fee, the priest could forgive you of your sin. Not possible. No man can forgive sin. But people would look at church history and they would use religion, they would say Christianity is used just to build its financial empire. But we see here the apostles, they didn't use any of the financial support system that God even put in there for them. But they did other work. It says, do not, do not, do ye not know that they which minister about holy things live of the things of the temple, and they which wait at the altar are partakers with the altar? Even so have the Lord ordained that they which preach the gospel should live of the gospel. That preacher should be able to be supported by the ministry that he's doing. However, Paul again, but I have used none of these things, neither have I written these things, that it should be so done anew me. For it were better for me to die than that any man should make my glory in void. For though I preach the gospel, I have nothing to glory of. For necessity is laid upon me, yea, woe is unto me if I preach not the gospel. And so here we see Paul saying, oh, you know, we did this willingly. We preached the word of God without charge. And then he taught for churches to support church planners. For churches to send out pastors, send out missionaries, to support them financially. As a man does not go a war on his own charges. He doesn't pay for his own food when he goes out to war. Okay, Our country, our government, provides for their food, provides for their income, so they could go to the battle. Certainly not enough either. We, we do, you know, it's the United States and that we support them on their own charges. Okay, meanwhile, you have two different extremes. You have, again, the prosperity preacher preaching gospel, where the preacher is preaching, and it's all about his own gain. Promises you the best life now, just if you listen to the things he says. Then on the other extreme, you have churches that say, um, man, what was it? Um, um, I don't remember what they said. Um, um, uh, God, um, God, God will keep you humble and will keep you poor. Some, 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 something like that. But where a church does not have a mindset to support their preacher. Now our church... You know, it has been. They've done what they could to support me as a preacher and everything. And there's been different times, different seasons when the church has been able to do better and seasons where it's not been able to do as well. And that's why I'm taking another job. Now, this isn't because the church is not trying to support us. It's just we're a smaller church this time. We've had an older generation. Um, several people pass away. People um, move, um, people that simply don't go here anymore. And so, you know, financially, the church is more in a tight spot where they can't support me like they once have. And so that's why I do a side business and why I'm taking on another job. 
and I'm going to be doing graveyard shift, working from 11 at night till 7 in the morning. So pray with, pray with me. Pray, pray that um, we'll be able to continue to try and be effective, but there will be some things that we'll need to adjust, things that will need to change. Whereas before, I'm doing the remodeling, I'm doing the preaching and everything, I'm trying to get all these things done. Really, the last few months haven't done a whole lot of remodeling, but if we're going to see some of the stuff get done, that's where I'm going to need your guys' help. I'm going to need other people stepping in in different ways. So I'll be working more outside um, of the church, and I need to focus when I am focused on working on things for the church on the preaching of the word, on ministering, in, ministering to people, being in prayer. Acts 6 spills this out, um, where, where the preachers, even they chose deacons for, to serve in different roles, different capacities, so the pastors could be focused on the giving of the word and on prayer. Anyways, back with our passage with John, you know, that was just kind of a sidestep, side, go, go in. Um, but we see the hireling flees because he is a hireling and careth not for the sheep. He's ministering again out of his own interests. He is not ministering because he's doing it for the sake of the Lord. The hireling flees. Because he was just in it for the money. Well, things were comfortable. But had no care for the sheep. And the pastor, under-shepherd, a doorkeeper. Okay, the job I got is also, it's a gatekeeper. It's to security. It's to, instead of letting sheep in or letting the shepherd in, it's letting trucks in, letting them pick stuff up, letting trucks get out. So still the gatekeeper principle. But you know, when hired for the job, yes, being paid to do the job. But I should not treat the job like, okay, that there's a truck that comes in. You know what? They're, they're, they're not a truck. They're supposed to be in here, but I don't want to confront them. I'll just let them in. Oh, I see them still something else. You know what, I'm just in it for my own interest, just let them take it. No, that's not how you're to treat the job. Again, likewise, it's an under-shepherd, it's a pastor. Supposed to be doing it because you're called of God. As Paul said, woe is me if I preach not the gospel. Woe is a preacher also if he only preaches when things are comfortable. When things are well taken care of. But then when trouble comes, they flee. There was a time here where a year after we came here, there was some division in the church. Oh, it would have been easy to pack up and go, hey, the church doesn't want us here. We'll pack our bags and we'll move on. We'll leave. We don't need to deal with this junk. But you know what? I've read scriptures and it's like, you know what? God called us here for a reason. And yes, what's going on here is not right. But you know what? The church body doesn't like what's going on either. But they've been waiting for a shepherd to come and deal with the issue. To be willing to confront things when it's not easy. To be willing to confront people with the Word of God. 
when it's uncomfortable. And then the issue was solved. Again, it would have been easy to leave. And then I read this verse. I think I read this passage. A heroine fleeth because of the trouble. There's danger, so they flee. But instead, we stay. This is where God's called us. We want to, we want to lead in what's right. And instead, they left, and then the church grew. Now, it doesn't look like it right now. We've since shrunk again, but the church grew. We were grew to, um, into the um, mid-50s um, at the time. Now we're in a downward season again, but we need to keep plowing and keep at it and keep going. And again, you know what, not for us to flee just because maybe things are in a challenging time. Now Jesus says, I am the good shepherd, I know my sheep, and am known of mine. If the Father know of me, even so so know I the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. Christ and the Father know each other. Christ lays his life down. The other, and he says, verse 16, Other sheep I have, which are not of this fold. Them also I must bring, and they shall hear my voice, and they, they shall be one fold and one shepherd. This is prophesied of in Isaiah 56, verse 7. Even them will I bring to my holy mountain and make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices will be accepted upon mine altar. For mine house shall be called in house of prayer for all people. Not just the Jewish people, but all people. The Lord God which gather of the outcasts of Israel saith, Yet will I gather others to him beside those that are gathered unto him. And that's where it shows the mystery, as Paul explains in Corinthians, that um, both Jew, Gentile, both male, female, slave, free, is one body in Christ. And yet one shepherd. It's not like India has their Hindu gods and Americans have their Christian Jesus. No, Jesus is trying to draw them all. They're all through Jesus. It's not through Hinduism. People do not find salvation through their Hindu gods. But Jesus calls Gentiles, he calls all to come into his fold. Ezekiel 34, verse 23 says, And I will set up one shepherd over them, and he shall feed them, even my servant David. This is speaking about David's seed, about the Messiah, about Jesus Christ, but gives him the title David. He shall feed them, and he shall be their shepherd, and I, the Lord, will be their God, and my servant David, a prince among them, I, the Lord, have spoken it. And that we're able to be one fold together. Jesus said in verse 17, Note, Therefore doth my Father love me, because I lay down my life, that I might take it again. No man take of it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. This commandment I receive of my Father. No one was able to take Christ's life on their own. Jesus was the Son of God. He was God in the flesh. 
He willingly gave His life for us. Gave His life for you. He didn't need to die. But He willingly laid it down. And as He's predicted, I laid down and I'll take it again. I have power to take it again. And then there was a division, therefore, among the Jews for these sayings. They just didn't get it. The Israeli leaders at that time, they have either been the thieves and the robbers, taking advantage of people in the name of religion, or they were a hireling where they did it for comfort, they did it for support, but when the goings got tough, they fled. They were gone. Or there were the wolves, the false teachers. And again, they just did it all for personal gain. But Jesus was that shepherd that gave it all for us that we might have life. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you, Lord, for your word. We thank you, Lord, for the chief shepherd as a model for under-shepherds, for pastors to lead in following Jesus' example. You know, when you saw the multitudes, your words mentioned, say, you were moved with compassion because he saw sheep is with no shepherd. Lord, I pray, Lord, that you enable me to continue to pastor this church as long as you will, would be, will it to be. We ask, Lord, that you do the provision that you provide. But Lord, we just pray, Lord, that we're all in here together as one body. We're many members Different roles, different functions, but we're one body. And Lord, as you see it fit, they need to take on another job while pastoring. I pray, Lord, that you enable and that we'll as a body to see the different many members to get fitly in place how you would use them in great and mighty ways. And we just pray, Lord, that we'll see this church prosper for your glory and get in the gospel out, that this will one day be a place where many can say, I found Christ when I went to that church. Or someone from that church came to my home or saw me at some location and told me of Jesus Christ. And that's where I found salvation and in their family to grow in the nurture and in the grace of God here. Pray, Lord, that you will use this church family in greater and mightier ways than it's already been used in the past. In Jesus' name, amen. And just some announcements. No men's... Oh, you're here, Alan. You want to go ahead and come do the announcements?
Especially since Alan will be gone next Sunday. Pray for him and his family. He'll still be seeing their family. And so we'll miss them next week. So we'll be struggling next week. But I think we get by one week. <laughs> As opposed to the, the struggle that we go here. Um, so, yeah. So like Pastor said, no men's prayer breakfast on the 7th. Um, the 21st of December is the teen Christmas party. So that's going to be from 3 p.m. to 6 p.m. So if you're a parent of a teen, which is nobody in here, that's just me and Pastor, so we can figure the rest of that out for the teen Christmas party. Um, also, the next day, so that's on Saturday the 21st, so on Sunday the 22nd is the kids' Christmas program and the church music program, which is essentially just anyone who has volunteered that they would like to either sing a song or... Um, read a verse of scripture or read a poem. Um, if you have something that you would like to do for um, for the Christmas program, whether again, whether that's sing a special or sing as a family or just reading a verse of scripture or reading a poem of some sort, bring that to me or send it to me, email it to me, and uh, we can you know vet it, make sure that it's good to go, and then we'll have you guys come up here and uh, we'll we'll give you an order of service that day to where um, whoever wants to come up here can come up here. If you want to come up here with your children and you guys want to take turns reading through, you know, Luke chapter one or whatever you guys, that, that would be great. We would love to have everybody involved that wants to be involved in that. So that'll be on the 22nd. Um, also that day on the 22nd, um, we're going to have um, our ugly Christmas sweater contest back in the back. And a pastor will give you guys more information on what we're going to do that day after the service um, as it gets closer. But that's going to be a great time of fun together. Um, so be in prayer um, as, the, as the season comes up. Um, we, w- this is the time when, when, you, when churches tend to get visitors, okay? Um, when churches tend to have people who are trying to get back in church or they're feeling very uh, convicted during the holiday season. And on the other um, end of the spectrum, this is also a time that sometimes people struggle with, right? So be in prayer about that, about how you can be a blessing um, to not only to this church, but uh, individuals who might come through these doors and, and whether it's just taking somebody out for a cup of coffee, just giving them a kind word, sending them a Christmas card or a letter, um, be in prayer for that. I did not have it ready today because it's still a little bit early, but if I wait till I come back, I feel it's going to be a little bit late. So um, before I leave on Wednesday, I'm going to stop by here at the church. I'm going to drop it off here. So I'm going to tell everybody who's here just so that we know where it's going to be. There's going to be a box. It's going to look like a present. It's going to be wrapped. It's going to have a little slit in the top, right? What that's going to be is that's going to be a Christmas card uh, drop for pastor. I haven't seen you guys do that here in the past. I don't know if you've done it. We did it back home every year and it was a huge blessing. So um, if you want to um, drop that off to him, uh, or I'm sorry, not drop it off, drop it off in the box, um, if it's just a card saying thank you and whatever to him and the family, that's cool. If there is money in there, right, if you want to give him a gift, um, obviously we would encourage that. Um, that's probably what just full disclosure my family will do, right? Um, but if you want to leave like a check or something in there, you can either give that straight to myself or Daniel and we'll make sure that that or donate that, annotate that on your check so that when Patty gets that or Daniel and I count that, we can set that aside separately. If not, 
um, please just somehow let us know. Uh, because if pastor gets a, a check later um, inside there, that's fine, I guess, if you make it out to him. Right? Just don't make it out to Napa Vine Baptist Church and put it in his card that we're not going to open up every card before we give it to him. Does that make sense, what I'm saying? Um, so just make sure if you put a check in there, you put whatever in there, just make sure that you make it out to the sailings and not to the church. If you want to make it out to the church so that it goes on your end of year as a gift, um, just make sure that you hand that in. You can either hand it in the offering plate or you can hand it straight to myself, Daniel, or even Patty, and we can make sure as long as you annotate on the bottom that we know what it goes to, pastor's Christmas gift. Um, they make a lot of sacrifices for this church. And I think this would be a good way to say thank you, whether, again, whether it's just a Christmas card saying thank you, whether it's some sort of monetary gift. I will leave that here. It'll be here before Wednesday, because I'm leaving on Wednesday to go back to Illinois. It'll be in the back. It'll also be here uh, for that one Sunday when I'm gone. So just avail yourself to that. My guess is pastor's not going to announce it again from the pulpit, right? So Daniel, I'll just ask him before I leave to make sure he reminds people if they ask what it's about. Um, it's usually awkward for the pastor to talk about his own Christmas gift, right? So when I come back that Sunday, I'll announce it again, just so everyone remembers, right? And then that Sunday or that, yeah, that Sunday before, that last Sunday on the 22nd, when Daniel and I count, we'll give pastor that check, right? And make sure that he gets it. Okay. Um, if you have any questions about that, you can see me, and uh, or you can shoot me a text or an email. But I think this will be something that will be a real blessing for them. All right. Let's go ahead and go to Lord in prayer, and then we'll be dismissed. Dear Heavenly.